This episode of Industry Focus is brought to you by Thumbtack. Thumbtack.com matches you with the right local professionals for any project. Go to Thumbtack.com to find pros from everything from home improvement to event planning to personal wellness and more. That's Thumbtack.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Friday, June 23rd, and we're talking about the Amazon of Latin America. I'm your host, Dylan Lewis, and I'm joined on the phone by Fool.com writer Danny Venna. Danny, how's it going? It's going good, Dylan. How are you? Doing okay. Uh, you know, I don't think I really gave you full credit there. I might have slighted you with that introduction saying that you are a Fool.com writer because you do so much more for the Fool. Um, people that are on the boards, people that are involved in the farm team, uh, and some of our premium services have probably seen your name before. Uh, you want to talk about some of the different ways that you interact with some of our services and all that? Well, sure. Um, it started out, I was a, a full member and subscriber uh, coming up, up on 10 years now. Um, since then, I've been, uh, I've been a, a prolific contributor on the boards. Uh, I am a portfolio contributor within the Motley Fool's Supernova service. And as you stated, I'm a Fool.com writer. And, and we are uh, happy to have you. Thank you. And and for folks that want a visual, um, Danny is Danny is known for wearing Hawaiian t-shirts. So throughout this conversation, if you want a mental image, are you wearing one right now, Danny? I'm I'm not at the moment, but I could. <laughs> Um, that <laughs> I don't know how to segue, but I'm going to try. Uh, so, so I tease that we're talking about uh, the Amazon of Latin America. That is Mercado Libre, and um, I think this is a company that a lot of fools might know already. It's it's one that you followed for quite some time uh, with, with boards posts, and then as a fool.com writer as well. Uh, it's a recommendation in many of our premium services. But for those that don't know Mercado, why don't we run through what they do and how they make money? Okay. Um, Mercado Libre has been described uh, alternately as either the eBay or Amazon of Latin America. They started out very similar to what eBay was a decade or more ago. Um, They connect buyers and sellers in a variety of different ways, and they take a cut of each transaction. Um, They've evolved, and they have fixed price goods on their website, similar to Amazon.com. They also do online classified ads like you might find uh, Craigslist. They sell cars, boats, airplanes like Auto Trader. And if you're of a mind, you can list your house for sale on their website. And beyond all of those e-commerce things, they've also started to move into the payment space as well, right? Uh, They have. Uh, There's actually two areas that are uh, pretty stunning growth areas for them. Uh, One is they have a service called Mercado Pago, uh, which is their payment solution similar to what PayPal does. Um, They also have a service called Mercado Envios, which uh, connects the Latin American consumers with reliable shipping. Um, you know, we tend to take shipping for granted because it's so easy here and so prolific. But in Latin America, shipping was something that would keep consumers from, you know, purchasing goods online because it just was not reliable. Um, so uh, Mercado Libre has used their their volume and their buying power um, to 
set up shipping, and they're the go-between. They make sure that the things that consumers buy get there. And, and I think the recurring theme with this is going to be um, there are some idiosyncrasies that are specific to the Latin American market uh, that Mercado deals with. And in some ways, they've benefited from um, you know, the, the fragmented nature of that market and some of the volatility there. In other ways, it's kind of presented um, some obstacles for them. But it's really where they operate. And you look at the breakdown, and they are in most of the major markets there. Uh, Brazil is their, their largest market uh, by geography. Uh, I think about 58% of their business comes through there, and Argentina is about um, 26%. They have a bunch of others in there. But uh, they are in something like 19 countries, right? Uh, it is. They, ha- they are set up in 18 uh, Latin American countries. You mentioned the biggest ones, Brazil. Uh, Argentina, those two make up about 84% of their market. They are also 5% of their market. Sales come from Mexico, 5% from Venezuela, and the rest come from you know the, the other countries. Uh, it is notable that they recently invaded Europe, and they have set up a website in Portugal. I think I guess if they were going to go to Europe, that would be the country that would make the most sense. Uh, well, it's a good start. I, I expect they're gonna they're gonna be in Spain at some point. Yeah, and and looking at this market in particular, I think um, I think there are just a lot of things to like, and, and it's why you know I'm an investor. I own shares of Mercado. I, I don't have the cost basis that you do. You you bought into this company a long time ago, um, but but this market, this Latin American market, um, is in a lot of ways kind of behind the U.S. in the wave of e-commerce. And when I look at how they're positioned here, I think there are a lot of really really good looking tailwinds that should help drive Mercado's business going forward. That's right. And and actually, you know, to give folks a little background, um, they're behind us in, in several ways that, you know, if you're aware of, it kind of makes sense. If you look at the Latin American market, uh, many of the transactions that occur there between consumers and vendors are still paid in cash. Um, most of the people in Latin America uh, don't have a credit card. Most do not even have a bank account. So they're still primarily a cash-based economy. Mercado Libre, when they first moved into the market and set up Mercado Pago, and that has been key to their growth thus far because it provided a way for vendors and sellers to transact business that didn't include cash, which is key to them moving into the e-commerce arena. And uh, a lot of these tailwinds have kind of manifested in some pretty impressive financial results. You know, so looking at this most recent quarter for them, uh, net revenues, which is was basically their take of all these transactions that they're facilitating. Am I defining that right? Um, well, that's actually what they what they keep off of it. Right. Um, so that grew just about seventy five percent in U.S. dollars, um, and higher than that in local currencies. That's something that will the discrepancy there is something that we'll touch on uh, maybe in the second half of the show. Um, I think one of the things that is so, so that's impressive growth. I think one of the things that's kind of surprising with this business is for as high growth as it is, and um, and kind of you know you think about these expanding rapidly expanding tech companies, um, they're traditionally not net income positive, and yet <laughs> Mercado Libre is. You know, Mercado Libre has they've done some things that you wouldn't expect from a business. One one of my favorite examples is if you go back to. 2009, 2010, the world was embroiled in 
um, a global recession. Um, I think in early 2009, we didn't even know that we were coming out of the recession yet because those figures are six months behind. While other companies were buckling down, they were saving their money, they weren't spending money on fixed assets, Mercado Libre did a major overhaul of its platform. And when we came out of the recession, when people finally had money that they were willing to spend, Mercado Libre was you know, ready to leverage that. So they were thinking long term, it seems, which is, uh, which is a trait that we love to see as foolish investors. We do. <laughs> um, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the currency issues and operating in some of these different markets and uh, some of the risks that are uh, apparent in Mercado's business in the second half of the show. But before we get over to that, uh, I just want to give a shout out to our friends over at Thumbtack.com. Thumbtack makes it easy to find and hire skilled local professionals for any project on your to-do list. It has pros offering a wide range of services, over a thousand different services in all 50 states, for taking care of your home, special events, or anything in between. So no more sifting through millions of search results. Thumbtack helps you find exactly what you're looking for, the professional that is available when you need them, within your budget, and reviewed and verified. All you need to do is answer a few questions about what you're looking for. Within 24 hours of submitting your project, you'll have up to five estimates from local pros that match your criteria. Then you can check out their prices and reviews, even chat with them directly if you need more information. It's a fast, easy, and free process. So listeners, if you're looking for a hand getting your backyard ship-shaped for July 4th, maybe you have a barbecue coming up, or if you're like our man behind the glass most days, Austin Morgan, and you're a new homeowner looking to make some renovations, check out Thumbtack. You can download the app or go to Thumbtack.com to find and hire local skilled pros for just about anything you need. That's Thumbtack.com. So, Danny, um, I think no business is without its risks, and I think Mercado Libre in particular uh, has some things that maybe a lot of investors that are invested in you know, businesses that are primarily operating in the United States um, might not be used to running into. I think the main one there is some of the geopolitical and economic issues specific to a lot of these Latin American countries. That's true. Um, you can look at you know several of their biggest markets. Uh, Brazil has been in the news on and off for several years, um, embroiled in one political scandal after another. I think the most recent one involves bribery. You can look at uh, Argentina that um, has been embroiled in hyperinflation on and off for years. I think their inflation rate is currently around 27%. And that's actually an improvement because it was 40% last year. Um, Venezuela has devalued its currency numerous times over the last few years. There's shortages in the country and triple-digit inflation. So all of those you know, things kind of give you an idea of the marketplace that Mercado Libre deals in. Um, the good news uh, is that they've been able to still continue to execute operationally, continue to grow their business. I think if those risks clear up some, we could actually see explosive growth. But for now, you know, you have to keep those in mind. Um, this is a, a company that has not grown in a straight line. The growth has been there, but seven times in the last five years, the stock price has dropped 20% or more. Um, so good growth, but th there are risks there. Yeah, very lumpy financial results when you're taking 
you know, market-specific financials and then denominating them in dollars and exchanging, uh, you know, whatever you're making on the top and bottom line there. Uh, so that's that's certainly something that you need to keep in mind and be ready for. You know, this is this is definitely a stock where if you're interested in it, you want to kind of slowly add to your position over time because the financial results will be lumpy, and I'm sure the stock price will follow and also be fairly lumpy. So it's so it's certainly an opportunity to to dollar cost average there. Um, Absolutely. I, they also seem to face one of the issues that I think no one can really escape if you're in retail, which is you know the looming threat of larger players. And in this case, I think Amazon and Alibaba are probably the two big names. Maybe you could toss Walmart and eBay in there as well. Uh, that's true. If you look at uh, their largest markets, um, Amazon has not really established a presence in many of them. They have been in Latin America for several years now. Um, in Mexico, uh, Amazon is the number nine most visited website. In Colombia, it's the number five most visited, visited website. Venezuela, number three. Fortunately for investors in Mercado Libre, um, they are still the number one or number two most visited e-commerce website in the majority of companies or countries where they operate. Um, now, Mercado Libre is actually doing a few things that will help keep Amazon at bay. Uh, one of those is that in the past it has experimented with free shipping um, at various times of the year to, you know, slower times of the year to boost sales. Uh, most recently, they rolled out free shipping as a test in Mexico. And it was so successful um, that they're now rolling out free shipping in Brazil, which is their largest market. Um, so if you make a purchase on the website, you spend more than $40, you're going to get that shipping for free. And the majority of the time, uh, that shipment comes within two days, which is, you know, directly competes with Amazon Prime. And that's so. So it's nice to see them rolling these things out that make their offering more comparable. And I think another thing to kind of, um, you know, walk back some concerns about the looming competitive threats is, you know, we talked about how logistically difficult some of these Latin American markets can be. And you know, if you're if you're talking about uh, a more fragmented continent and um, you know working in all these different currencies. Those provide some barriers uh, on the e-commerce side that you don't see in some other tech businesses. So you know, you look at a Netflix, and it's a lot easier for them to scale a totally digital platform out to 190 countries. You know, at basically at the flip of a switch, and then they can kind of localize content um, after the fact. Uh, you know, with with Amazon and and just the nature of retail and delivery. Um, it's a little tougher to do that. So I think that that, you know, in some ways insulates uh, Mercado from competitive pressure, but it's certainly something I think over the next five to 10 years that people need to be mindful of. Uh, absolutely. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, if you look at the rest of the world, particularly in, in Asia, um, Alibaba has a lot of offerings that are very similar to Amazon. Uh, both of them are, are very e-commerce oriented. And so, you know, you'll want to keep an eye on them because as we've seen in the news in the last few weeks, I don't think that there's any corner of retail that you can say is safe from, you know, Amazon coming in and stealing market share. No, they So seem... it is something to watch. <laughs> yeah, they seem to be intent on coming in and grabbing everything they can. 
Um, and another thing to kind of put some concerns at ease here, I think e-commerce penetration for retail at this point in Latin America is about 3%. So, um, I, I think that there might be many winners of that trend in that market. Uh, I don't think that it is necessarily a winner-take-all market anytime soon. Uh, you know that that might change uh, a decade out, but at least for now, I think there's plenty of room for growth, particularly as uh, you know Mercado is the main player there. Um, I, well, go ahead, Danny. Oh, I was going to say, you know, there there are some some tailwinds behind um, you know Mercado Libre that we haven't touched on. Um, you did touch briefly on the fact. That uh, you know, Mercado Libre or, or e-commerce in general is still in its infancy in Latin America. Um, not only e-commerce, but uh, internet penetration in Latin America is still only at 62 percent. Um, if you compare that to 89 percent in the United States, you can see that there's still quite a bit of growth to be had there. Um, another thing that folks will want to know is that. You know, the middle class in Latin America has doubled over the last decade. Uh, and, you know, people that are, are joining the middle class, they've got more income and they're looking for ways to spend it. And as more and more of you know, Latin American consumers uh, get Internet connections, as they become aware of and more comfortable with e-commerce, that increases the pool of people that are available to be Mercado Libre's customers. Yeah, those are some great points there. Um, look, we talked about how there, there are some reporting difficulties with their business and just the fact that they are uh, in all of these different markets with different currencies, and then they are bringing them back uh, in dollars, you know, uh, as they have to, um, because the SEC wants them to in order to be on a U.S. exchange. Uh, I think that there are a couple other ways that you can look at their business instead of just staring at their top and bottom lines to get a better sense of what is going on. Uh, in my mind, at least, there are a couple non-financial metrics that investors should keep an eye on that'll help strip out some of the lumpiness that comes with exchange rate, um, you know, repatriating dollars. Uh, that's true. Uh, if you look at, uh, as you said, you know, they they do business in these 19 different countries, and every country has its own currency. Um, when you translate that into do- dollars. You know, some of those currencies are going to be up against the dollar. Some are going to be down against the dollar. And it makes a mess for trying to figure out, you know, whether or not they're doing better in each of these markets or all of these markets as a whole. Um, so one of, the, one of the things that I have done over the years, there are three non-financial metrics um, that basically strip out those exchange rate issues um, and can show you whether or not the business is growing solidly. Um, now, the first is confirmed users. Uh, Mercado Libre currently has about 182 million users. Um, now, that's year-over-year growth in the most recent quarter of about 20%. And the company has actually grown its user base by 20% year-over-year, going back more than five years. Wow. <laughs> that's pretty impressive. That's darn impressive. And, that's, that's so, and, that's, and so that's a number that investors can expect to see every quarter. Uh, it, it is. They report that every quarter. Um, another number that investors can use is the number of items sold. Uh, now, in the most recent quarter, that number increased by 39% year over year to 53 million items. Um, now, if you go back in the last five quarters, um, that has averaged 
forty uh, percent increases year over year for <laughs> wow. five quarters, um, which is also pretty impressive. I, I can't think of any business that would complain about having that kind of growth. Hmm. And uh, and you, they also report something on the payment side, right? Uh, they do um, payment transactions. Um, you know, if you look at metrics like payment volume, that ha- again, that's dollar denominated and it's been translated by currencies. But if you look at specifically the number of payment transactions that have occurred um, in its most recent quarter, that growth was over 60% year over year um, to 44 million transactions. And that's the ninth consecutive quarter of growth over 60%. Um, Now, there's an interesting note to that. Um, Mercado Pago has been so successful on Mercado Libre's platform that in the last, you know, several quarters, last several years, they've been rolling that service out to other merchants that are not on its platform. Um, and, and it's interesting, you mentioned Netflix earlier, a few years ago when Netflix went into Latin America, one of the problems that they encountered was that Latin American consumers don't have credit cards. And so eventually, Netflix allowed Mercado Pago as a form of payment that they accepted. Huh. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Tidbit. <laughs> um, well, so not surprisingly, with all of these pretty gaudy growth rates that we just quoted year over year, um, Mercado Libre is not a cheap stock by any means. Uh, the company is priced for growth. It currently trades at around 80 times trailing earnings. Um but I think something that you have to keep in mind here is, you know, we talk a little bit about the market opportunity before. And Danny, you mentioned you're basically getting this eBay, Amazon, Shopify, PayPal company rolled up into one. Mercado right now is a $12 billion market cap company. PayPal alone is a $65 billion company. So, so I think you look at Mercado and you say, yes, it's expensive uh, on a PE basis. Um, but if the tailwinds hold and and really um, so many things in the Latin American market have been headwinds for them, and they've been able to be successful in spite of them. So, you know, even if those headwinds die down a little bit, um, and, and they just kind of he- keep humming along, and they don't wind up ceding too much ground to competitors, I think there's still a massive runway for them. I, I agree. I, that's, that's one of the reasons that I have followed this stock so closely. I, I, I first invested the company back in early 2009, so I've been following the company for about eight years, and those, you know, those those tailwinds, those demographics for uh, internet penetration, for e-commerce growth, for the growing um, middle class, I think all of those uh, are likely to continue. And as you said, as long as they can uh, hold off competitors with their customer service, with their innovation in technology, with their expanding into areas such as you know shipping and payments. I think this company could be a great investment for your scum. Yeah. Well, um, I agree with you. I'm a shareholder, so I hope we're both right. And I'm sure there are a lot of fools that are also rooting for the same outcome. Um, Danny, thanks so much for hopping on the show. Anything else before I let you go? Um, no, I'm good. Uh, the, the weather out here in, in San Diego is supposed to be sunny and warm today, so uh, I'll try to get out and enjoy some of it. Yeah, I hope you have a nice weekend out in sunny San Diego. Thanks. Well, listeners, that does it for this episode of Industry Focus. If you have any questions or if you just want to reach out and say, hey, you can shoot us an email at industryfocus at fool.com or you can tweet us at MF Industry Focus. 
We love getting questions. Please give us questions. It makes our job easier. If you're looking for more of our stuff, you can subscribe on iTunes or check out the Fool's family of shows at fool.com slash podcasts. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against stocks mentioned. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Anne Henry for all her work behind the glass on today's episode. For Danny Venna, I'm Dylan Lewis. Thanks for listening and Fool on. Thank you.